I'm Christina May, the online pastor at World Harvest Church in Enid, Oklahoma. You're about to hear a spirit-filled message from our pastor. So grab your Bible, and if you're a coffee lover like me, grab a cup of coffee and get ready for a personal word that God has for you today. Happy Easter weekend, whether you call it Easter Resurrection Weekend, Happy Easter, and it's not about the Easter bunny, it's not about the eggs, those things are fun, right? But let me tell you what we're celebrating here today, it's all about Jesus, and not just about Jesus, but it's about an encounter that we can have today with Jesus, who sacrificed himself for us, who paid the price for sin so that we would not have to pay that price. It was Jesus who came to give us life and life more abundantly, amen, so that we could experience life to the fullest today. I don't know about you, but I am excited today today about what Jesus did for me over 2,000 years ago. Anybody else with me here in this church, amen. And I can't help but, I keep said it several times already in the service, but I can't help but think about the, the last 12 months, the last year that's been full of so many challenges, the challenges of COVID, just the way that our lives was interrupted. Uh, we were in an upheaval time, but it wasn't just COVID. There was so much strife and so much tension, so much disunity in our nation. We came through that, amen? You know, so much chaos, so much frustration, but the good news is that Jesus was with, it through, with us through all that mess, amen? He was the peace in the midst of our storm. He was the joy in the sadness. He was hope in the darkness. It was his presence in those moments of loneliness that brought us through the last 12 months. I don't know about you, but I love Jesus. I'm excited about Jesus. I'm so glad that I've got a relationship with Jesus, but I have to ask us all a question today. Are you all in with him? Are you all in in Jesus? Come on, look at your neighbor, poke him in the side, slap him in the face if you want to, but ask him, are you all in? Come on, ask him, are they all in, amen? See, and going all in with Jesus doesn't mean that life is gonna be perfect. How many of y'all know that? Life happens. It it doesn't mean that going all with Jesus doesn't mean you're gonna get everything that you want. Come on, every parent knows you don't give a child everything that they want all the time, right? But it does mean that we don't have to go through life alone on the journey that we're walking with. We can have Jesus with us in his presence. We have the promise that the Lord will never leave us, that he always be with us, that he'll help us through every challenge that we do face in our life. And we got the promise of his love. Love that is everlasting. Love that is never ending. Love that you can try to run away from, but he's always right there to love you even in the worst moments of our life. So let me ask again, are you all in? And I would encourage you, go in, go all in with Jesus. When I think of that phrase, are you all in? I can't help but thinking about my life. My life that drastically changed over 33 years ago. Tammy and I, we met at Oral Roberts University over in Tulsa back in 1987. And uh, the journey that we went through was quite an interesting journey. You know, as towards the end of the fall semester there of 1987 at Oral Roberts University. Now already, let me just say something to all you young people. 1987 was not that many years ago and I don't, I'm not that old, right? Thank you for that one amen over there in the corner. Bless you, bless you. May you find many Easter eggs today with Reese's peanut butter cups in them. Those are the good kind. 
But I'd seen how they're probably, uh, you know, mid-November. I'd seen Tammy, at the time, Tammy Walker. She was in our lunchroom area there at Dora Roberts University. It's called Saga. It was that Saga that I'd seen her, and there the light shone from heaven, and this voice came down and said, this is your beloved wife. Now, it wasn't quite that cool, you know, and it wasn't that distinctive. But it did, I saw her, and I was like, oh, my gosh, who is this drop-dead gorgeous girl? And uh, so I began to inquire about her. I didn't have the guts to just walk up to her and say, hey, I'm Brad, I'm gonna be your husband someday. Um, but I began to inquire about her and lo and behold, I found out that she lived in a sister dorm to where my dorm was there at Oral Roberts University. And lo and behold, I found out that one of the guys on our wing had a sister who was on her wing and it just happened to be her best friend. And so we ended up actually talking a couple times on the phone. And we were wrapping up the fall semester. And so I worked up the, the courage to ask her out on a date. And so I, and she gladly accepted. I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. And so we went out, it was a blind date for her because we had only talked on the phone. I knew who she was, but for her, it was a blind date. On the last night of the fall semester of 1987, went over to pick her up at her dorm. There, she came down, walking down the hallway to meet just like, just like we had already planned. And I'll never forget, as I stepped up to meet her, as she came down the hallway, the first words that Tammy said to me face to face. As she was looking around the room to find out where Brad was, she seen me standing in front of her. She looked down at me and said, oh, how tall are you anyway? <laughs> and that is not a lie. That was her first words to me. She was expecting this big six foot three handsome blonde uh, Bradley Wayne and she got a little redneck Brad Mendenhall five foot seven and a half, you know. <laughs> we went out on that blind date, went to a movie, came back and then we left to go home for Christmas break. I went out to Guyman where I was living at the time out there, she came here to Enid where she was born and raised right here in Enid with her parents. Of course, the holidays, we went through the holidays about three or four uh, weeks there. Well, it's spring semester's kicking back up and I'm like, I, connect, I cannot get this girl off my mind. And so, you know, I actually called the house, you know, and we ended up meeting here in Enid and drove back to ORU together. It was over the next several days that we began to talk a lot. We began to, you know, run to the store and began to go on dates. For this first week, I'm like, I am liking this girl. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. This is everything I've ever dreamed of. And I'm just, this is almost too good to be true. You know, I kept expecting to call from her anytime saying, you know, I've done my community service now. You got to go on down the road. I did my time with you, but that call never came. And so about a weekend though, she comes to me with a serious look on her face. She says, I just got off the phone with my mom and dad. My dad he has decided that he wants to go to Florida on a family vacation in a motorhome. You know, go spend two or three months just hanging out in Florida in a motorhome. The back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, where's this story going? And so she said this, she says, my dad would like for me to drop out of this semester school and go with him to Florida. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no. And I'm thinking, well, surely she wants to stay and get her education and hang out with me. So those of you that know Pastor Tammy, the theme song to Pastor Tammy's life is girls just want to have fun, right? And so the next thing she said out of her mouth was, I decided that I'm going with them. My heart sank. Well, I had one week left. We continued to hang out. She continued to answer my phone calls, continued to go out. 
And so at the end of that next week was when she was supposed to leave. So we drove from Tulsa, came here. I wanted to spend as much time with, with her as I could. I mean, I am having feelings for this girl. And uh, so about the time I was getting ready to leave, we found out where they're gonna drive the motor home to Florida. So they're gonna go east, they're gonna go 412 and then hit I-35 and go down to Oklahoma City. Brilliant mind. Man, I'm thinking, okay, from Enid to at least the I-35 turnoff, we can still be together. You know, I'm cherishing every second that I've got here with this beautiful girl. And so we're driving there, you know, we get to I-35, her mom and dad pull off in the motorhome, we're falling, I know this is it, this is it, this is it, this is the time. And you know, as we're traveling, we're talking about, you know, now how many of y'all my age or older remember the days before cell phones? Anybody remember those days? We weren't connected all the time. And I began to grieve because I was really falling for this girl and I knew I wanted to communicate to her. But yet, you know, the only way you could communicate when you was traveling was, anybody remember pay phones? Yeah. Anybody remember the calling cards that you had? You had this like 12 digit number you had to call, then type in the number and inevitably you would hit a wrong digit and you had to start all over again, you know? So this is what Tammy said. She said, well, I'll call you when I can. I'm like, come on, you gotta give me more than that. I'll call you when I can. Well, you know, I ended up going back to Old Roberts University and I would go to classes and I'd come on a sit in my room waiting for the phone call. I mean, it, it, it was every three or four days I would get a phone call and it was just, it would make my day so beautifully. But back to before I let her out of the truck to get in the motorhome, man, I was feeling it. It was the moment, the moment was right. And I looked at her in the eyes and I said, Tammy, I want you to know something before you get out of this truck. I said, I have fallen in love with you. I love you. And I looked at her with that little dramatic pause for a moment just to see what her response would be. She looked back at me and with the words I'll never forget, she looked at me and said, oh, that's really nice. <laughs> hey, at that moment in my time, I took everything that I could. I took that, okay, yes, <laughs> yes, it was nice. It was nice. <laughs> It wasn't, I'll see you, babe. But I was faced with a dilemma. I was all in. I was all in the relationship. I had fallen head over heels in love with this woman. I knew at that time I was ready to spend the rest of my life with her. But I had a dilemma. My heart longed to communicate with her. I longed for her. So I'm stuck in Tulsa, Oklahoma in a dormitory where she's out having fun in a motorhome, you know, driving around the beaches of, you know, Miami, all the Daytona, all that stuff. She's having fun. And uh, I couldn't even write a letter. Anybody remember writing letters? What that was like? Yeah. For you young people, that's where you took out a piece of paper and you wrote in cursive even. Yeah. Yeah. Put an envelope, put a stamp, mail it, get it three or four days later. It's kind of like sending text messages in slow motion, you know. <laughs> That's what letter writing was like. Well, I still had a dilemma. I couldn't write her a letter because I had no idea where she's going to be. I didn't have an address to send it to. So I had this idea. I wrote her a letter, though, anyway, every day. And I took that letter and I stuck it in a notebook. The next day, and it was just usually about my day, it was just, you know, communication stuff. I would write her a letter and I'd stick it in a notebook. I'd write a letter and stick it in a notebook every day that she was gone. After about two and a half months, she finally came home. I didn't tell her what I was doing. After our initial greetings, I went to her and I said, listen, I need to talk to you about something. So while you were gone, we was only able to communicate just every three to four days by phone. But I wanted to talk to you every day. 
And I said, you know what I did is I took every one of my letters that I wrote to you and I put them in this notebook. And this is my, my, my feelings for you every day you was gone. And I handed her the book. She said, oh, wow. She was pretty impressed. And she, of course, came back here to Enid. I was still had spring semester going on over in Tulsa. So as the next weekend came around, I'm like, man, I gotta go see Tammy. So I came back to Enid. And uh, the moment I saw her, something had changed. Her countenance was different. The way she looked at me was different. Our greeting was different. And she said, Brad, I gotta tell you something. He said, I took your letters. I went home and I read every one of them. You said, she looked at me and said, Brad, I have fallen in love with you. I've fallen in love with you. She said, when I read your letters, I saw your heart. And that's when I fell in love with you. She was all in. Now, let me just say something. Wives, you got a really good husband right now. I want you to know he's not a moron, amen. I know some of y'all are like, my husband never did that for me. I wish my husband would do that. No, listen, wives, every wife in this say this, I've got a really good husband, amen. That was just me. I, you may not have had the same experience, but your husband is still a good guy. I want you to know that. Don't look at him any differently. Guys, I'm sorry, I had to tell the story. I mean, it's the illustration of a message. Are you all in? See, for Tammy, that was the tipping point when she read the letters there that I had given her. She fell in love. I want you to see something with me here in Romans chapter 10 this morning. Romans chapter 10, something that Paul writes is so critical to our life here today. Verse nine, the scripture says this, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. How many of y'all is Jesus your Lord today? Let me hear you. Jesus is Lord and believe in your what heart that God raised him from the dead that you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by confessing with your mouth. Everybody say it with me, that you are saved. This basic principle that we read right here, this is something that many of us have done here today. This passage describes something that many of us have had done either early or later in life that was a tipping point in our life. Tipping point is not a phrase that you use many times in your everyday vocabulary. Tipping point defined, it's simply this. Tipping point, it is the magic moment when an idea, a trend, or social behavior crosses a threshold, it tips and then it spreads like wildfire. In the history of humanity, there's been many, many tipping points. One major tipping point happened in 1440 when the printing press was invented. Suddenly, the way people were educated, even suddenly the way people read their Bible, even, even went to church changed because now there was information readily available to the masses. In the early 1900s, Henry Ford, there was a tipping point when he began to mass produce automobiles. It was a tipping point where humanity would never go back to the way it was. It'd never go back to having transportation taking so long and having to do the horse thing and the buggy thing unless you so choose, chose to. It was a tipping point. In 1928, healthcare radically changed when penicillin was invented and now healthcare was easily available and it becomes something that's not so complicated. In 2007, bless Steve Jobs' heart, the tipping point came when the smartphone was 
was mass produced and every one of us today now has been affected by this little device that is a blessing and it is a curse. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But it was a tipping point that our lives will never go back to the way that it was. Our lives have drastically changed. The tipping points, there's many tipping points that we will go through in our life. But let me just kind of dig down to something here for just a moment. See, the tipping point is the break over moment where something drastically changes. Let me just use this illustration here that I've got on the stage. The tipping point, it, it is take some energy on the front side of the tipping point. It takes some, some, a little bit of, you got to work at it. It, it, it. it can be hard. It can be a little difficult, but you will eventually get to the place where you will hit a breakover point. You will hit a tipping point, a tipping point. Now, the thing about a tipping point, let me tell you, even Jesus said that a double-minded man, he is what? unstable in all of his ways. This is the point of decision that we have got to decide. Are we going to go all in? Are we going to stay where we are? It's a tipping point in our lives. But let me tell you, I've experienced tipping points in my life. I went all in with Tammy early and I was glad that she followed. But whenever we crossed over to the other side, we got married. Let me tell you, it was the promised land. <laughs> Amen. God had glorious things for us. And let's, let, me, let me just share this. There is a promise. There is victory. There is breakthrough on the other side of the tipping point moments of our life. The question I have to ask is, is this, are you willing to do the work? Are you willing to do what it takes? That's a question that's hard to ask sometimes, man. Serving God, it's easy to make him Lord. It becomes a challenge to live for him though. Amen. Tammy and I, we made the decision. We got married. That was the easy part. You know what the hard part was? The 32 and a half years that came after we made that commitment. We were all in, but you know what? I've realized this thing takes some work. I realized she's not going to act the way I want her to act all the time. And believe me, I tried. I don't act the way she wants me to act all the time. Amen. But we are committed to this thing. We are all in. We are in this thing. We are not going back. We're willing to do the work. Are you willing to do the work? Look at something here. Jesus said uh, a story he tells in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. I love this story. Several verses I'm gonna read here. New Living Translation, it says, and as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down, he asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Verse 18, why do you call me good? Jesus asked, only God is truly good. Verse 19, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal. Now it's interesting, six of the 10 commandments here, Jesus quotes back to the guy, and these are all the relational commandments. And these aren't the vertical, these are the horizontal relationships with people. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone. He says this, honor father and mother. Verse 20, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all the commandments since I was young. 21, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He said, there's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions. Give the money to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Then, what did he say? Come and follow me. What was the, the man, he was at this point of decision. He was wrestling with the tipping point of his life. Verse 22, 
It says, at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Now, at the surface, this story that Jesus tells almost appears that God is against wealth. But this is what I believe that Jesus is telling us in this story, that God's not against wealth, he's against wealth having us. It boils down to what is the Lord, what is the king, what is the center focus of your life? Is it the wealth or is it God? Now we see in scriptures, we see Abraham, we see Isaac, we see all these great men of God because their priorities was right, they were greatly blessed. And I do believe that if you will serve God with all your heart and you keep the main thing, the main thing, God will take care of the rest. Okay, but when the rest, when the stuff takes a precedence against our relationship with God, we're in error, we're in a bad place. Jesus discerning this man's heart, this man, I mean, he was climbing the mountain, man. He was, he was, he was wrestling with this. He wanted to go to the other side, but yet he was stuck there in the middle. And he, that's why he's asking Jesus, what must I do? And Jesus was basically just really checking the attitude of his heart. Are you going to go all in? Or are you going to keep something back? And I believe this, if the young man would have just realized that if I will just go on in, if I just choose to leave my old life behind, Jesus is gonna take care of everything else. I don't have to have my trust in riches. Where's your trust at today? Where's your trust at today, amen? Now, this is what I know too. Whenever we begin to experience the new things that God has for us, there's always the tendency that when we face a challenge, and let me tell you, just because you're following God does not mean you're exempt from challenges. We're all gonna have challenges. Come on, we're all gonna have moments. We're all gonna have life happen. I've lived long enough to know that life sucks sometimes. Anybody with me? But the difference is this, I don't have to give up. I don't have to go back because human nature always wants to go back to what God delivered us out of. The children of Israel, when God delivered them out of the land of Egypt, y'all remember that story? They were in bondage. They were in slavery for over 400 years. For 400 years, they were slaves, man. They didn't have enough to eat. It was terrible. It was bad. They were suppressed. They were oppressed. There was everything bad happened to them. They cried out, God, what? God, help us. God, save us. What did God do? God delivered them. He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them into the promise. He, he take, was taking them to the promised land. They had something better than the life they were living. But every time that they faced a challenge, those of you who know the story, what happened? They was like, well, it'd been better that we would have stayed in Egypt. How stupid is that? It'd been better that we would have never come out. No, that's a lie of the devil. For every tipping point that you'll face in your life, if you'll simply press through and go through it, let me tell you, when you get to the other side, there's some things that you experience for the kingdom of God. There's things that you experience by the spirit of God, but there's also the enemy. He's gonna start trying everything he can do to try to get you to come back, to try to pull you back into that addiction, to try to get you to hurt like you hurt before, to try to go through all this stuff. But let me tell you, don't go back. Come on, look at somebody beside you tell them, I'm not going back. Don't go back. I love what it says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10. It says, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, it says this, this is message translation actually. Message by, uh, New Living says this. New Living says, if you fall, if you fail under pressure, your strength's too small. Come on, look at somebody say, I'm not gonna fail. Message Bible says it this way. If you fall to pieces in a crisis. There wasn't much to you in the first place. Come on, somebody said, there's a lot to me. Oh, come on. Somebody said, there's more to me than meets the eye. Amen. So what does this mean for us today? For many of y'all here this morning, there's a lot of different tipping points, tipping moments in your life. Spiritually speaking, there's three tipping moments in your life, tipping points. There's one when you got saved. That was a tipping point. 
where things changed. Two is water baptism, when we're water baptized. In fact, here in just a few moments, we're getting ready to baptize some people over here. I'm excited about that. Three, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, tipping points. See, the main thing is this. It's about the cross of Jesus. The cross. The cross is our tipping point. Jesus is our tipping point. Jesus even told the disciples in Luke, he said, you gotta take up your cross daily. Follow me. See, it's at the cross that Jesus took all the weight, all the sin, all the heaviness of life out of the world. He took it from us so that we didn't have to carry it in our life. So the cross, it's the major tipping point. It's the most important tipping point for each and every one of us here today because Jesus, it says that he went to the cross. He was a, a lamb that was, that was brought to the slaughter and he willingly went there. It's at the cross that time changes from BC to AD. And it's at the cross that now I can come and I can go through the cross and I can lay my life down. I can surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And I no longer have to live for myself, but now I can live for Jesus Christ who living in my life. I no longer have to deal with worries and pains like I used to, but I can bring them to the cross. I can land down at the cross and I can step into that new place free from the pain, free from the hurt, free from the sorrows. But let me tell you, the enemy's always trying to get me to go back. He's always trying to get me to pick it back up, step back into the old life. But it's at the cross that something changes. It radically changes. It's it's the difference between the old nature and the new nature. It's the difference between an old way of thinking and a new way of thinking. And there's what grieves me, there's so many people, they're in this valley of indecision. But let me tell you, your life will drastically change. It will change if you allow it to when you go to the cross. When you receive the gift of Jesus, Jesus is our tipping point. He's that moment in our life. Remember what it said in Romans chapter 10, said if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. He says, then you will be saved. See in my hurt and my sorrows and my past, my mistakes, the burden is heavy. But if I will simply choose to bring it to the cross, to lay it on the cross, he'll help me in my life. In a minute of moments of instability, when I'm leaning on the cross, I have stability. In the moments of my life when my world is falling apart and I don't understand, <laughs> I feel like my life's gonna end. I'm losing my job, I'm losing my family, I'm losing my marriage. Listen, on your own, it's hard to keep the balance. But if you lean on the cross, if you lean on Jesus, step on over to the other side. Walk with him. Walk with him, church. It's those moments of decision in our life. And I can proudly stand here on the stage and say, I am not going back. I'm not going back to the hurt. I'm not going back to the pain. I'm not going to the back the way I once was, but I'm gonna live life as a new creation. I'm gonna live life as a son of God. I'm gonna live life with purpose. I'm gonna live life with a destiny. I'm gonna live life with passion. I'm gonna live life taking a real Jesus into a real world because I know the way I used to be. I'm not that any longer. Come on, I'm not an addict any longer. Come on, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God in this place. Come on, we're children of God in this place today. Come on, anybody with me here in this house today? 
Are you all in? Are you all in? Don't hang out in the unbalanced sections. Go all in with Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope that this message inspires, challenges, and fuels you up to take a real Jesus to a real world. If you'd like to connect with us in any way, please go to harvestina.com connect. Or if you'd like to learn more about us as a church, please go and check us out at harvestina.com. We can't wait to share another message with you next week.